doing it. Are we live? We are. Well, <laughs> we're recording. <laughs> we're recorded. We're not live. I don't think we'll ever be live, but maybe not. Who knows? Who knows where this will go? But um, welcome to the podcast with no name. <laughs> <laughs> Thought, we, we've got a couple of names, right? There's, I've seen a couple of good ideas. We do. We do. We have a couple of ideas floating around. Um, right now, Ground Pass is my favorite because, okay. first of all, you already had a blog. Was it a blog called Ground It was a blog, yeah, which you can go and find if you want and try and dig through my early tennis writings. <laughs> Everyone go go look for it. But I thought that was a great name because it kind of – it, it's it's everyone's entry into a tennis tournament. The first thing you, well, that is debatable too, but that could be a different topic for a different day. But usually when you've never been to a tennis tournament before, the first thing you do is you get a ground pass, which is your entry into the tournament before you maybe go for the high ticket seats or anything like that. But I like the name Ground Pass. There was also another one called Casual Fan for, you know, because this is a podcast for the casual. The casual tennis podcast, which, you know, very chill vibes. We're sort of sat here in our comfy clothes. Exactly. The casual. I like that. The casual tennis podcast. But yes, we're going to we're going to knock around some names. But I I have this saying that I stole from someone, obviously, because the best artists steal, um, which is. Perfection is the enemy of the good. And sometimes I think thinking too much of like, what could it be? How could you do it? And then you just never do it. So this is my attempt to just do it. Yeah. And it's much more fun and uh, I, I, being a bit messy. You know, all of my favorite podcasts that I've listened to have been just two people chatting and it's just nonsense sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, that, might be, that might be this podcast for a while, guys. If, if you ever listened to any other podcasts that I'm on, you will know this is very much the vibe that we go for. Um, <laughs> so I think we're uh, we're all good on that. We're front. a good. Okay, good, good. We're 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 go moving in the right direction. But um, this is a casual tennis podcast, and. I wanted to sort of give a synopsis of why I wanted to do this. I've been a tennis fan for a very long time and I've had different levels of fandom throughout my whole, my whole life. You know, I started off as a casual fan. And then once the Serena sisters started, who looked just like me, I got super into it and followed them for a long time. And then I kind of just stopped watching tennis for a long time. And then I came back into it. So I've had, you know, sort of like ebbs and flows in my, in my um, tennis viewing. And, but one thing I've always done is I've always gone to the U.S. Open. U.S. Open has always been my tournament to go to. And the U.S. Open is also the tournament where you almost meet. I mean, I haven't been to much other tournaments. And I mostly my ten my tennis tournament viewing is always within the United States. But um, I feel like the most casual fans are at the U.S. Open. <laughs> the most casual fans are at the U.S. Open. There's I mean, so that's many clear fans. on the television. Let's be honest. You do have a point there. You do have a point. I know people who go to the U.S. Open to hang out. The tennis is just, just happens, they just happen to be playing a tennis tournament. But people go to 
the U.S. Open just to like grab a drink and have a meal with friends <laughs> and just and the tennis is somewhere in the background, especially this year. I thought it's time to start talking to those people like you're missing so much and paying so much, by the way, another topic, paying so much to come here and you're missing so much of the tennis. So I kind of wanted something for the casual fan, someone who's maybe getting into tennis, just has tennis in the background, but maybe might want to get more into it. Yeah, I think that's something that I've wanted to capture as well. You know, we were talking about my old blog before, and that was the original purpose of the blog was to tell my friends all about tennis. Yeah. And I realized none of them were actually reading it. It was random people on Twitter who were reading it. But um <laughs> always, the, like everything. <laughs> always. Yeah. And who were already fans a lot of the time. So I just kind of gave up and went with it. But you know, I did try and write the other things, try and introduce people. But also it's not necessarily the right medium. People aren't necessarily gonna sit down and read a tennis blog. Whereas, hey, they I am hoping that everyone involved is getting excited by two fans who want to let you into our world and our um, obsession. I mean, clearly we're so obsessed that That you don't even know our name. Obsession. (laughs) That's a very, very good word. It is a little bit of an obsession. And maybe I'm doing this just because I wanted to talk to someone about tennis every two weeks. I mean, let's face it, if this is the only chance to get, then go for it. How do you think I ended <laughs> This is how I ended up doing uh, things like this as well. So um, yeah. it does work. But it, it, I do notice from this intro that we've done so far that we've gone, hi, we're tennis fans and nobody knows our names. Hello, I'm Anastasia. Hi, I'm Nick. Yeah, we're both casual fans following tennis. Well, we're we're not casual fans. Let's be real. Let's be honest. We've moved beyond the casualness of our obsession. We're obsessed tennis fans. And we're hoping to share a little bit of our tennis obsession with you and to get you into the sport. I think that's the most important thing for me because every year at the US Open, you know how everyone says, oh, I have a tech friend. You know, when you have like a tech problem, you you call that person. I'm the tennis friend. I'm the one who gets yes. all the calls during the US Open being like, well, who's that? Yeah, I, I've got the same thing over here where I am, but it's with Wimbledon a lot of the time. And mm. um, obviously being British uh, living in the UK, uh, yeah, it, it tends to be Wimbledon. It's like, who's that? Oh, I'm the tennis obsessed one. Um, I do have a reputation. The last two years, I've taken the whole Wimbledon two weeks off work and <laughs> just like binge watched it at home or gone. If if I'm not there, I'm watching it on TV. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you and I are kind of on the same wavelength. Um, yeah. Even if neither of us visited the other's home tournament, not yet, but one day. Enough of our rambling, because we could go on forever of how how we all became tennis fans and all of that. And maybe through through the series, you'll you'll find out more about that journey. But I wanted to jump right into the tennis, as they say. And I think one thing a lot of casual fans don't know, or people who are getting into tennis, is tennis is all year round. I think yes, and that's something I have to explain to a lot of people. Exactly. And people don't realize it because, you know, I'll post something on Instagram or something outside of one of the slams, which is how everyone is introduced to tennis. And they're like, wait, it's still happening. I'm like, no, (laughs) 
This is a different, this is a different tournament, but a lot of fans come into tennis through the four grand slams. And for everyone who doesn't know, there are four grand slams. And those are sort of, I would say the world cups of tennis. There are four of them. Um, That's the easiest way to explain it. But in between all those world cups, there are tons of other levels of tournaments, right? Yes, there are. I mean, um, are we going to explain what those are or are we going to go right now? Because again, this could be a four hour, <laughs> a four hour um, podcast and just like tennis terms. But I think as we go along, as you listen to us over time, you will start to learn what's this tournament? What does the 1000 mean? What does a 500 mean? But um, I think it's really important to state how, and it, this will also come up, I think, in in other ways when we start discussing, you know, from time to time when there's someone out there complaining about the length of the tour and how long the season is and things like that. Um, tennis is an all season, all round event. And that's because it's a global sport. I mean, it. Let's, there's tournaments on definitely five continents. Um, I think uh, North, South, Europe. Asia, Australia, no, six continents because there are oh, there we go. Yeah. in Africa. Yeah. Um, and the other thing you've got to bear in mind, which is one of the reasons why I was talking about it, is it's funny that we're starting this podcast now at a time when tennis is currently taking place in a time zone that neither of our friends would watch. At all. We are barely watching it. It's so painful. I'm getting so little sleep trying to keep up with the tennis but tennis right now is in asia um specifically at the moment as we speak um tennis is in china which hasn't happened in a long time yeah no it hasn't um and uh that's been for a couple of different reasons um mostly due to covid restrictions mm-hmm. um where China wasn't really letting um, people in for sporting events. It wasn't just affecting tennis. Um, there were other sports that had events in China that got cancelled. There was some other things going on with the women's tour, which is probably a right. little bit too long to get into right now specifically, but there was another reason the women's tour wasn't going there. This is um, true. Yeah. A really important reason, which we will one day get into. Yeah, I, I, and I, do, I, I don't want to like gloss over it at all. No. Um, but this is not the, now is not the time. No, and I probably will put um, in our little like um, description box explainer something um, a little bit about what's going on, uh, what that situation was. So you can read on it and catch up before before we do. Mm -hmm. Or uh, just Google Pong Shui. Or that. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, so the tours, both the WTA and ATP tours are back um, in China. And A little bit about why I asked Nick to do this podcast with me is that, I mean, over the years, I've gone back and forth. But right now, I really do follow intensely the ATP tour, which is the men's tour. And you are the opposite. Yes, I am much more interested in the WTA tour, which is the women's tour. I feel like we're going to be talking in acronyms. Do we want to explain what those mean? Yes. So the ATP tour is stands for the Association of Tennis Professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, which you're thinking, well, why is that? That sounds like it's an all-encompassing tour, which is what it was originally meant to be. But then 50 years ago, the women were like, you're not paying us enough. Like the women were not getting paid anywhere near the same level as the men. So they broke away and formed their own tour, the Women's Tennis Association, um, which is, and now which is why we have two separate tennis tours, one for the men, one for the women, yeah. um, all due to um, gender politics of the 1970s. 
which we're really hoping at some point, hopefully in the near future, can change. And we can go back to just having one association handle everything and might even make tennis viewing even better. And we're not constantly having to split between like, what tournaments are we watching with the women's and what tournaments are we watching with the men? But I'm sure something that took so long to separate and it, I mean, it's been going, what, since the 70s? Yeah, 50 years this year, they've got the rating. Exactly. WTA. So they have 50 years this year, and it's going to take a while to sort of bring those two tours back together. Um, but we could write a book on that if we tried. <laughs> I might do one day, yeah. But yeah, so tennis is happening right now. It's really difficult to pay attention to. But we're here to sort of also help give you the highlights of what's going on and help you try and start learning who these players are and who the who the players are in these tours and and getting more involved. So tournaments in action right now on the ATP side, we've got the China Open, which is a 500 event. And um, I think not in this specific episode, but in a future one, we will get into the different levels of the tournaments. But the China Open is a men's 500 event. Um, and what's also happening is Astana. And I will just say right now. Kazakhstan. <laughs> is it Kazakhstan? It's Kazakhstan. It's Kazakhstan. I'm going to butcher a lot of pronunciations. I really am. And I do... Oh. <laughs> don't don't check don't go with my pronunciations because i'm a posh british man don't go with mine either but um we will try our best we will try our best to like get um do as you know as well as we can but there is a 250 in atp happening as well at the moment and mm-hmm. is there currently i'm so behind is there currently just one wta to, uh event happening right yes. now so, yes, there is a 1,000 event happening in Beijing um, in China. So it's the Women's China Open has literally just started. Um, the men's has just ended, which is another weird time to come in. If you're coming in like time to get into tennis now, you're coming in weird timings because usually a tournament runs from Monday to Sunday. Yep. But the last couple of weeks on the ATP tour in China, they've been running Wednesday to Tuesday. Yes. Um, and this has to do of- with the Davis Cup and making sure players – had enough time to travel to China from the Davis Cup. So it's, you know, tennis can be complicated. And we're really asking a lot of you to get into this this sport, but we will try our best. So yes, the schedule is a little off right now. But I think right after the China Open, they kind of do go back to being sick yes, so- a little bit. Yeah, so in uh, they, they're going to be playing a 1,000 event in Shanghai, uh, the Shanghai Masters, um, which is, um, while we won't get into the two tips, it is one of the biggest tennis tournaments on the calendar. Yeah. And that starts on Wednesday, I think. And then that will run until Sunday. Um, not this Sunday, like the following Sunday. So it's going to be a week and a half long event. Right. Um, just doing qualifying for that right now. Right. Remember when we said tennis never stops? They're literally playing a tournament now and have already started qualies for the next one. <laughs> so it really doesn't ever stop. But um, what? Um, let's just pick those two, those tournaments. Um, what on the WTA side so far has happened in the one thousand event that you that piques your interest? Or um, I think looking at um the biggest stories that are happening from yeah the 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 event in beijing the uh china open which obviously yeah that's um 
you know, we can go into the complications around that. Uh, I would say so far, um, the biggest story has to be um, the victory of um, 16-year-old Mira Andreva beating um, uh, Barbora Krajikova, um, who is a Grand Slam champion. Um, not only, and which is obviously a big deal because, you know, Krajikova's ranking and uh, everything else, but also because Andreva is that young and she's beaten Krajikova twice in one year, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and honest, honestly, this this girl, despite the fact she's um, 16 years old, is already ranked in the top 50 women's professional tennis players in the world. And that's why a lot of fans are very, very excited about her. Yeah, and didn't she just burst into the scene? I feel like she came out of nowhere during the Madrid Open, and all of a sudden, here was this very confident 16-year-old who was just beating everybody. Yeah, and she was beating very, very good players. I'm not, again, we're, we're trying to ease you into things, but the, the quality of players she beat when she played in Madrid back in May was like you're, you're talking like real world-class high-performing players and she only got beaten by Arena Sabalenka who is currently the women's world number one yeah um, and she was very close to getting to the quarterfinals at Wimbledon this year and um, she took a set off Coco Goff in France this, who this just girl won the US Open just won the US Open like this yeah I'm, I'm hoping people have heard of Goff um but um yeah, th- this this girl, despite the fact that you might look at her and go, well, how on earth is she doing that? Like, she's unbelievably cool-headed. I've never seen someone so young have such a good grasp of what shot to play and remaining calm under the situ- in the situation. And the thing is, is that she's not anywhere near as good as she could be yet, right. which is incredible. Right, that's really true. Yeah, so, I mean, she's someone who definitely burst on the scene for me in Madrid. And... You know, I think like with most casual fans, like the first what what sort of attaches you to a player is their personality. And she burst onto the scene with a really big personality. Um, I think they said during that, you know, spring summer um, time frame that she was being followed around by the Netflix cameras. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> that's that's someone who who I can't wait to see what they do with her story um, with Breakpoint, which is the sort of, yeah, it's the Netflix ver- version of Drive to Survive, but for tennis. Yeah, the ten- tennis Drive to Survive, yeah. Which I'm pretty sure a lot of casual fans, I was, when that show first came out, I never, you know, I'm a tennis fan, so I watched it um, just to see what they 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 had to offer. But I was actually surprised by how many people watched that and then came to the US Open. That was a lot of, a lot of like conversations I was listening to on the grounds. It was like, oh, that person was in, you know, uh the TV show. I was like, oh wow, people watched that and then showed up at the US Open. So um it, it it's a great way to introduce players and I'm really excited to see um how Mira goes. But so she's on to the next round now, yes? Yeah, yeah, she's on to the next round. So I'm just having a look now where she's at. So yeah, she is into round two. So she's going to be playing um, a veteran in um, Anastasia, uh, Anastasia Pavlichenkova. Um, not this Anastasia. <laughs> Wait, uh, what are you doing, Anastasia? You need to be training. You want a match in a couple of hours. Um, a couple hours. Let's go. <laughs> I have a um, plane to catch. 
um but yes uh Pavlichankova, who's been on the tour for a while i mean she's like early 30s now um being um sort of kind of she kind of burst onto the scene not quite as young as andreva but sort of as a 19 year old in late 2000s early 2010s um and then um has a, has a very respectable career but never quite hit the heights that maybe some people thought she would but um very tough opponent for yeah. andreva nevertheless yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to see how she goes. I think another player a lot of people will probably be super interested in, um, just also because of her just you know general popularity is Coco Goff, and she's in this tournament. I think she just won her first round match. She did, yeah. Against a very very tricky opponent, um, yeah, another Russian, Ekaterina Alexandrova, mm-hmm. um, who's a big hitter and actually beat Goff earlier this year. Um, uh, but Goff was going through a bit of a rough patch at that point. Yeah. Uh, but still one of the toughest first round draws she could have got. But she she dealt with it pretty well from what I can gather. Um, and yeah, she's playing. She's through. She's into the second round um, of the event. And yeah. um, she's got a tough section, but she's backing up that US Open win so far. Which is, I think, the biggest part for me with following tennis and keeping up with tennis. And, um, you know, there were years where you would go into a tournament, at least for me, and you're like, okay, well, the Williams sisters are going to win. One of them's going to win win this tournament. And then there was a period where you just didn't know who to follow and you didn't know who to look to and who was going to be consistent. And the I feel the women's tour is finally getting there. And I'm really loving seeing Grand Slam winners defend their titles in a way where it's, and not defend their titles directly at the event, but like, throughout the season. So it's not like they win a title and then they disappear. <laughs> you never see them again, um, which um, tends to be a thing sometimes. But um, even watching Marketa Vondrosova, who won Wimbledon this year, come into the American swing and, you know, win matches. It was it was so lovely to see. I love seeing things like that. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh... I, I look. We can do a whole episode on the um, merits of consistency versus chaos um, in in tours. Uh, but you're right. The women's tour is heading into a direction where you're going to see some names more often than others, um, and we'll probably ma- mention some of those names um, in future episodes as well. Um, yeah. Probably even the next one. So yeah, but like if you're just getting into tennis, maybe having just watched the US Open, start with Coco Goff. Um, she's going to be a name's going to be around for a very long time. She's still in 19. And driver as well. If you're just getting into tennis, you want someone, like you could follow these players for the next 20 years. Exactly. They're like, <laughs> it's really a really funny story because I always think, oh, Coco is a veteran and she's been doing this for years. She's 19 years old. You have a lot of time to follow her. She, she, she's another wonder kid, right? She came along when she was 15 and she yep. beat Venus Williams at Wimbledon in her first match ever at Wimbledon. I mean, right. like that's just pressure out the gate. And especially for someone like her, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were then looking at her as like, you're the next one. Again, another mm-hmm. seven hour podcast. <laughs> Yes, that would be another podcast. Yes, there's Coco has been the chosen one for so long, which is why I was so happy for the US Open, that US Open win, because we've had a lot of chosen ones in tennis. Um, and I've always felt sorry for the ones who didn't quite make it. Make it, um, yeah. yeah. For them personally, more than anything else. But she's got one and that's all she needs. That's all she needs. That's all she needs. And hopefully leads to a lot more. 
Well, um, on the men's side, so there are two there are two tournaments happening right now on the men's side. The China Open, which is a 500 event, which is just below 1,000, obviously, and then the Kazakhstan event, which is a 250, which is just below that. Um, there's been um, a lot going on. Um, I think for for people listening, the the big name to sort of mention right away is Carlos Alcaraz is back on a court. Um, playing some really great tennis. Um, he's someone who I think, again, I remember when I first started following him, I followed him because of his style of tennis. I really love that sort of unpredictability. He's at the net, he's at the baseline, then he's, ba- you know, he just runs around the whole court. He's not a traditional, as they would say, baseline, just dueling back and forth sort of player. Um, but he was, he didn't quite, def- he did not, def- he didn't, not that he didn't quite, he did not defend his U.S. Open title from last year. But um, I think it's really nice to see him back on court doing well. It wasn't a great end to the U.S. Open. So I was always wondering what Carlos are we going to get back? But he did get a, a, a bit of a break um, in between. So he's definitely come back firing for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's not dropped a set yet in Beijing, no. and he's beaten some good players. So uh, I agree with you. Like, Carlos Alcaraz's box office, you cannot take your eyes off him. You don't know what he's going to do. Um, and that's what makes him so exciting to watch. And the thing is, the kid can do literally everything. Again, another super young player. He's only 20. Um right. Which is, so he's going to be around for a fair bit unless he injures himself. Maybe but, that's the thing um, this podcast. Young tennis stars... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, there's you know, looking at sort of because we're we're actually, you know, depending on what time zone you're in, they're about to play the semifinals in uh, Beijing or semifinals if I want to sort of go American. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, actually, you know, every player in there is in their twenties. Um, there's another young tennis player, younger end of the spectrum tennis player in there. There's a couple in sort of mid to late twenties um, in there. Um, another name that fans might recognize particularly at the US Open Daniel Medvedev is also playing yeah um, so he he's in the semi-finals yes yeah, so you've got a big smile on your face <laughs> about Medvedev he he's definitely one of I you don't if you watch Daniel Daniel Medvedev play tennis it's kind of a he's so he's such a non-traditional tennis player he's so tall and lanky you're like what are you doing with your arms why are they everywhere? I think um, one of his nicknames, which I think is always perfect, is the octopus. Yes. Imagine a tennis player. No, imagine an octopus playing tennis. There's no other way to describe it. He has arms and limbs everywhere and just reaches for all sorts of stuff. It's so non-traditional and sometimes not pretty, but that's what I like about it. I love the sort of just, you know... Un, he's quite the person. I, I I have no words to describe it right now, other than an octopus I, playing tennis. Yes, I, I've also I think one of the uh, women's tennis players, um, Iga Swiatek, once referred to him as a pretzel, and the way his arms end up um, in a still image of him. Yeah. Um, I and... wish. I hope I can find. I'll find a photo of him. I'm sure if I look on the internet, I'll find it and I'll I'll post it. Um, but it's of him. It was a forehand shot. So he's like, he's returning and his arm goes all the way across. And then the other one is literally that way. And I'm like, yes. he is 
fretzel. Yes, it is a fretzel. Um, but I think one of the, re- the main reason I follow Medvedev is actually because of his personality. He is oh, yes. very, very quick-witted. Um, he comes up with all kinds of crazy one-liners, some of which are mistranslations, um, or at least yep. from him trying to get what he's in his head into English. Um, very, very good English speaker, but maybe there's a couple of quotes I can think of that maybe um, wasn't wasn't probably too exact translation. I can um, I can probably think of the ones you're 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 thinking yes. of, but yes, it's like almost like the phrases he doesn't know sometimes where or but, how what the iconic is. moment and maybe some of our listeners may have heard of this was the 2019 US Open, which will never be topped even by Daniel Medvedev mm-hmm. of when he told a booing crowd. Thank you for helping me win today. <laughs> it's the one, Daniil and the crowd. It's a, it's a, it's a love story. Sometimes they're fighting. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> you never know. Sometimes it's, it's, it's they're doing, you know, either or in the same match, and you're like, which is it? <laughs> which is it today? But yes, you know. So he's playing as well. The semifinals. I'm. We're gonna have a section, or at least I'm gonna trial a section. Um, in this podcast called The Player of the Fortnite, because, of course, something we didn't say at the beginning of this is right now we're attempting to do, do this podcast every two weeks. So we'll pop up on your feed every two weeks to give you what's up, what's happening in the world of tennis. And I always I want us to sort of pick a player that over the past two weeks has kind of, you know, sparked our interest. I have mine. I'm going to have you think of yours while we continue on with the show. Um and, but at the end, we'll let you know. And I'm holding a player right now who is currently in the China Open, but that I want to talk about in that section. So I'll, I'll hold it for now. But um, so those are the tournaments that are happening. There are two tournaments happening in China. Um, we won't go into the completed tournaments because the schedule is so crazy and I'm almost waiting till it's back, you know, in sync. And then we can talk about like past winners and things like that. But Part of also what I want to talk about is news, things that are happening in tennis, because I think that's also an important part of being a fan is knowing what's happening, knowing what's going on. Are we going to ever have tennis in Saudi Arabia? Who knows? I mean, we're already going to have the next next gen, um, which is a tournament that's played on the ATP side of things. But um, to just talk about a little bit of news of the goings on in tennis and one thing that I wanted to mention really quickly has to do with the schedule and just getting your thoughts a little bit of what you think, because obviously we're both in time zones where we can't watch tennis. That doesn't mean tennis shouldn't mean global. That's actually the best part of tennis for me is that it is global and it's all it's, you know, it's um, played all over the world, but a lot of things that tennis players bring up um, to in specific, two in particular this week in Zverev and um, Kitkova is the lateness of tennis, how late tennis is played. And as someone who lives in New York and goes to the U S open, the city never sleeps. We will watch tennis, whatever it is, but how do you feel about that? Because two players this year have uh, during this, these um, the Asian swing have come up with I think Zverev played till 3 a.m. one night and Petra played till 1 a.m. Um, do you have thoughts on, on tennis lateness? Yeah. Okay. So from a selfish fan's perspective, if a tennis match is in the right time zone, it goes on super late. It's great for me. 
because because I can actually watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I was able to. There was an absolute epic that happened at the beginning of the year between um, Andy Murray, who's a British player, um, and an Australian player called Tanasi Kokonakis, and they went for five hours in Australia. Uh, and they ended up finishing at like 3, 4 a.m. their time. Mm-hmm. And it was meant that because it, which ended up finishing about 4, 5 in the afternoon, my time. Um, so it was great because I could just have that on on mute in the background while I was doing work. The problem, uh, the problem with that was obviously Murray was knackered for his next match. And we saw, so we've seen this time and again. And I think the opinion I've come to is whilst from a fan's perspective, it can be brilliant because I can watch it. Yeah. For everyone involved, if you're working there, it's your job. It sucks. Yeah. If you're a player, it ruins your recovery time. Um, let alone, you might be standing around for hours waiting to start a match even. Um, you've got all the officials and the staff at the tournament who have to stay up and lose sleep over it. And who knows if they're getting overtime? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. And um, the reality is... Um, I, I would say if if I have to sacrifice my entertainment for the benefit of other people's health, that's a worthy sacrifice for me. So that's where I'm kind of at with the lateness of tournaments is that I de- uh, that something needs to be done to do it. And one of the the things that annoys me is the most way some of the media promote it is this massive physical achievement um, to play that late, and it it kind of is, but it's not. But then, you know, it kind of it's that old quote from Jurassic Park, just because you could doesn't mean you should. I think I've misquoted it, but um No, but I, I it's I, along those lines. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally understand. And it's really great hearing your perspective because again, as someone who who loves the US Open and I'm so used to the sort of nightlife nature of the US Open because of the city that it's in. Um you know, I remember those, um, the year Carlos won the U.S. Open, he was playing till two or three in the morning. Every, every match, he, I think it was like three in a row. And he was like, Oh, it's the latest match ever. And then he broke the record. He was like, it's, now it's the latest match ever. Um, it definitely, there is an excitement to it sometimes, especially when you're in the audience, but I totally, I, I totally get your side of it too, where, I wouldn't want to be playing at 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and it's sort of, it's, it's definitely a bigger, um, topic. I think if you follow the French Open or even Wimbledon that has a curfew, um, it's definitely something that's talked about a lot in tennis and it will come up as you follow the sport where you'll have something like the French Open or even the U.S. Open, where it's like you just play till whenever and, you know, if it's four in the morning, same thing with Australia. Or you get a tournament like Wimbledon where, you know, speaking of Andy Murray, there there is a curfew. So you have to stop playing at a certain time. I think it's 11. Is it 11? It's 11 p.m., yeah. Yeah, it's 11 p.m. And I remember his match with Pass that had to end and then finish the next day. And there's a lot of talk of, well, if it had just kept going, Andy might have won, but it went into the next day. And the result of the match was Pass won that match. So there's definitely a, you know, pros and cons. It's interesting that some of the dialogue around the late finishes at Wimbledon was that there were a lot of particularly American fans on the app formerly known as Twitter, um, <laughs> where... Uh, who were like, why don't you carry on going? This is madness. 
like they were going this is madness what like from a sort of a, a organizational perspective yeah and i found that absolutely fascinating um interestingly anastasia i'm gonna say i think you're a, a hardcore enough fan do you know why there's a curfew at 11 p.m at wimbledon it's it it was an agreement with the local residents it's for the neighborhood because there's people living right opposite mm-hmm. so it was uh, pretty much um so literally it's like yeah because because the only way they could agree to it was one of the conditions of them putting on a roof um was so it's almost okay, like noise control and let them keep us awake yeah it's noise control to kind of yeah i get that Okay, so we're going to start winding down because we're almost at an hour. Um, but what's coming up next? What should people be watching? You know, now you're now you're a super tennis fan. You've listened to us for 45 minutes and you're like, yep, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in on the tennis. So what should what are the next tournaments coming up that people can tune into? So do you mean just this week or are you talking next week as well? I know. Isn't it really weird? It's <laughs> It's really weird, but yes, this week and next week. I think uh, on the ATP side, I'm like, it's time to get ready for the Shanghai Masters. Um, And this would be a good time to explain that. So we've got the four Grand Slams. Right underneath the Grand Slams are the Masters events, the 1,000 events. And these can be as big or very close to as big as the Grand Slams. Shanghai Masters is coming up on the ATP side, and I think that's that's definitely going to be one to watch and where all the big guns are going to be coming out um, to play. Yeah, absolutely. So for sure, that's going to be, that's nice and easy. If you want to follow the men's side, if you want to see Carlos Alcaraz and Daniel Medvedev in action, um, Novak Djokovic is not playing. Um, no, he's not. He will, he's taking some time off. Um but you've still got some some big names to follow on that side. You know, you 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 you've got some names you recognise: Alcaraz, um, Medvedev, Murray playing. Um, so, yeah, Sinner. Actually, Alcaraz and Sinner are playing tonight each other, yeah. which is a a big deal if you're a tennis fan. Um, uh, and because uh, those two those two uh, have some battles, so um, this will probably be up after they've played but you never know um the or you probably listen to this after they've played but they might play again in shanghai um yes. but that's that's definitely yeah i agree with you that the main thing to focus on for the men's side for the women um yeah beijing um is also a masters event a 1000 event and that just um, started and, uh, so you can like pick that up right away yeah yeah and you've got all the top players pretty much taking part um there haven't really been many shock exits um so we've been talking about what's happening a little bit with Goff and Andreva in that tournament that's going to be carrying on and then um I mean to be honest then I would imagine sort of the following week is still some tournaments in Asia but the top players will probably be winding down as they prepare to travel to Mexico in a few weeks um for yeah. a very special event that's happening there yeah. um, which we and hopefully when we're back in two weeks then we can start talking about those which are um basically the the finals right? They're called finals. The finals. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be in Cancun. Um, But we'll talk about that next. So let's end on our player of the fortnight, which I'm going to start with mine. And his name is Yannick Sinner. (laughs) Yannick. Oh, we already mentioned him. Your face just lights up at the mere mention of his name. Yannick Sinner, who a lot of people listening, I think will know simply because of his association with Carlos Alcaraz. They've had some battles on court. 
one I think a lot of people saw first was their US Open 2022 um, match that um, went really long. But Yannick is someone I remember this spring, I went to the Miami Open um, and I watched uh, one of Yannick's match. And there were these like three guys just sitting. They were all probably, you know, sort of like late teens, early 20s. And they were all talking and they're all pointing at Sinner and they were like, he's going to be the next. They, he, they literally said they're like, he's going to win the U.S. Open this year. <laughs> He almost did it last year, but he's going to win. You know, so I think with the casual fan, Yannick Sinner is definitely someone in um, in the zeitgeist. But he's my player of the fortnight because mostly because he hasn't quite reached, I think, the heights that a lot of people have um, have thought he would based on his matchup with um, Carlos Alcaraz, but specifically. Um, for the last tour for the China Open, which is happening right now, Yannick is going through it. I do not know what is happening <laughs> with Yannick Sinner. He's still winning. He's in the semifinals that we mentioned earlier, um, with Carlos Alcaraz, but his road to get there have involved a fall, a medical timeout and throwing up in a trash can. <laughs> and that happened today. <laughs> when he played with Grigor Dimitrov. And he's just a fascinating player, I think, who seems to be having a lot of physical issues. It's never, it's not really about his tennis. I think his tennis holds up. Um, but he's definitely someone who has had a few physical issues, and but he still fights through it. And, you know, I could do a whole dissertation, I think, on on why I think players who are hurt shouldn't play. You know, I'm like, go rest up and then come back. Um but he's definitely one to watch. Um, he's my player of the fortnight. I'm super excited about um, the match that I don't even, this is, it's so hard for me to keep up with the time zone in Asia. Cause I'm like, is it tonight? Is it tomorrow morning? Is it, is it 3 a.m. for me? I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, but he's my player to watch of the fortnight and, Let's see how he does in the semifinals and then, you know, what happens to him in the Shanghai Masters. Do you want my player of the fortnight? Yes. Who is your player of the fortnight? Okay, so obviously mine's going to be on the women's tour um, because I think it'd be very, most of the time when we're doing this, I'll be picking one for the women's tour unless it's just someone who's made me go, wow, I have to pick someone for the men's tour. Yeah. Um, And for me, it's got to be uh, Veronica Kutumatova. Um, uh, who just won the title in uh, Tokyo. Um, I was tempted by um, just going for Maria Sakkari just because she's got the most wins in those two weeks, but um, Kudamatova or Kudametova, I need to actually check the pronunciation of that, but she beat um, Iga Sviantek. Um, she scrapped her way to the title. She beat Jessica Pagula, Um who, if you're an American fan, you will probably have heard of as being one of your top two players yep. from the state um, and uh, in the final. And I think Kudamatova gets it for me because she, up until this point, had not been having a great few months. Like from like Jul- June to now, she was struggling to win matches. And yep. then this week, she finally turned it on. I think she must have had some kind of physical problem that she's had to manage for a few weeks. Probably, yeah. Probably why, because she did have to pull out of a match in Berlin um, back in June. And that just where it all kind of spiraled from there. So 
it was great to see her turn it back on um, and beat some really, really good players and acquit herself well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with um, very first player of the fortnight being uh, Veronica Godimitova. And uh, I've talked a lot about Russian players today. <laughs> Which, another topic for another day, but wow, that that's episode one of the podcast with no name. <laughs> we did it. Yay. But um, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, we will be back in your feed um, in two weeks. We'll pick a day when we'll always show up in two weeks. And um, you'll learn more about us as we go along. But this was our first trial. And first, and hopefully in two weeks, we'll have a name. Right? Can we say that, Nick? We'll have a name in two weeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a name. We're pretty close to one already. We are. We are pretty close to one, I think. Um, so we'll see you then. <laughs>